and they put you in a boat you've never been in and a life jacket that you really don't know how to use and water you can't swim in in a place that you can't get to from your neighborhood <laughs> and say, row. Row. <laughs> I bet it. I bet it. Well, Lord when they mercy. pushed us out, we didn't move. <laughs> That's what I said the line in the book. One of the kids, I'm sorry, I got to call him out, but he's my boy, Deshaun Benson. He starts crying. And I was like, man, I know you. You, you know how many gang shootouts you saw? And you, you like the go out, guys you go outside the next day, the next moment, you know, and you cried in a boat. <laughs> That's Child, hilarious. Different, you know, and I remember we wouldn't move and they had to pull us back in. They were looking at each other like, what did we get ourselves into? Welcome, everybody, to an army of normal folks. I'm Bill Courtney. I'm a normal guy. I'm a husband, a father, an entrepreneur, and I'm a football coach in inner city Memphis. And the last part unintentionally led to an Oscar for the film about our team. It's called Undefeated. Guys, I believe our country's problems will never be solved by a bunch of fancy people in nice suits talking big words that nobody understands on CNN and Fox, but rather by an army of normal folks, us, just you and me deciding, hey, I can help. That's what Arshay Cooper, the voice we just heard, has done. Arshay grew up in the west side of Chicago, one of the most dangerous and impoverished neighborhoods in our country. And yet this kid who couldn't swim became the captain of the first all-black rowing team in the United States. And it was a pretty rocky start, as you just heard, but since then, Arshay has helped start a ton of inner-city rowing programs. His book, A Most Beautiful Thing, was turned into a movie by Dwayne Wade, Grant Hill, and was narrated by Common. I can't wait for you to meet Arshay, right after these brief messages from our generous sponsors. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is 
finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, everybody, to An Army of Normal Folks, which is something I don't often say. I usually just jump in. Um, our guest today is Arshay Cooper, and I cannot wait to talk to him and uh, talk about his story. But it's also an opportunity to talk about a lot of what a lot of what our society is dealing with, confused about. And I am more than excited to have this time uh, today and for those of you listening, it's going to be a, a really cool opportunity for you to uh, get a reality check on um, on what goes on in in so much of the the city centers um, across our country. So, with that, we're going to get started. Arshay Cooper, hey bro, thank you for having me, Bill. I'm Man, excited to be here. I am I am so stoked to get ready to talk to you. Um, let's just dive into Arshay, the young man. Uh, I want to hear about where Arshay was born, you know, siblings, and and I'm not talking about 13 year old in high school. Before that, you know, just where you came up. To tell us where you came from. Yeah, I was born in Chicago, Chicago West Side. Uh, you know, my mother was uh, born in Mississippi. You're oh whoa whoa whoa! I didn't even know that part. Yeah. Do you know where? What city? <laughs> Jackson. She's born the hub. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> my grandmother's from Jackson. Um, and great grandmother. Wow. Yep. And um, your great grandmother. A great grandmother. She would have been maybe even a sharecropper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My grandmother said uh, uh, she picked cotton, and, and you know she she was out there in the field. So that's wow. the yeah. I, Does uh, your mom remember that? No, my mom moved. My grandmother. She said she wanted to escape the violent South, and so when my mom was born, she moved. She wanted to escape the violent south. Yeah. And went to the west side of Chicago. Went to the west side of Chicago. She missed, brother. <laughs>> <laughs> and, uh, you know, she's looking for more opportunities. Uh, and I didn't know that until I was 
a teenager. But um, yeah, Chicago, West Side is where I was born. And, you know, as, as a kid, I can remember just my mom and my stepdad. And she had a job. She was working. My stepdad was working. I had an older brother and a younger brother and younger sister. So it's four of you. Four of us. Right. And um, it just seemed like a, seemed like a normal life. Um, I, was, I was young, and but I think I was about nine years old when I started noticing a difference. Uh, difference in what? And a difference in your own family's uh, reality uh, changing, or uh, a difference in your family dynamic and other. Uh, my a difference in my family dynamic, not just compared to others, but the change of being able to have dinner and sit at a table with my family to stepdad not being there, the difference in, you know, my mom being home with us every night to the point that she's not there, you know, arguments every night, mother scratching her skin, Christmas gifts no longer there on December 25th. Um, I was too young to understand what was happening, but things were changing. And it wasn't until maybe I was 11, I was sleeping on the couch and my brother had this this old chillins bucket. You know, people would make chitlins and they'd yeah. keep the buckets and use it for a mop bucket or something like that. I thought chitlins were only in the South. <laughs> I guess it came came from Jackson <laughs> yeah. with your great-grandmama. They brought it to Chicago. And I remember him throwing a bucket of water on me. And he said, wake up, let me show you something. So I followed him through the hallway. And uh, he said, look through the keyhole. And I looked through the keyhole, and I see my mom, my stepdad, and my aunt. And there was a mirror, and it was white powder on the mirror. He said, you see that? that? That's called drugs. And the first thing that came to my mind was these, like, like a box of Lemonhead or Boston baked beans that says, say no to drugs yeah. when you open it. Or a commercial to say, this is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. And I was like, oh, this is not good. And um, and that's when I noticed the change uh, in, in, in my family dynamic. And I became aware that, you know, we are not the same that we were maybe, you know, a few years before. Like, there's no happiness here because now there's fights. And now we go from being punished to, like, sitting on the corner or, or writing to getting beat with belts or extension cords. And, um, and so all as a result of ultimately addiction, addiction, you know, no, uh, so Arshay, that sets a a good picture up to 11 and we're going to go chronologically, mm -hmm. but it's a good time to talk about now. How old do you know? I am now 40. You're old, not as old as me, bro. (laughs) But looking back, mm-hmm. okay, because if that's the case, that was uh, the late 80s, early 90s. Yep. Right. War on drugs. Just say no. I mm-hmm. mean, all that stuff. Um, but before that reality, you had a mom that was working and a stepdad that was working and a seemingly organic family. What was the socioeconomic situation that your family was in where what kind of jobs was your dad or your stepdad and your mom holding yeah he was like a mechanic right probably not blue collar dude blue collar dude but a mechanic 
you know, and my mother was working at a laundromat. It was a little simple job. Blue collar, but blue collar, but they were making enough to keep a family together. They were making enough to keep a family together. And do you think there was addiction prior when you were younger, or did it evolve as you got older? No, I think it evolved as I got older. Um, and honestly, I don't, I don't want to skip anything, but I didn't ask my mom about this until I was older. And my stepdad hanging out with the wrong crowd, right? They were young. And he started doing drugs and he introduced it to my mom. You know, and, uh, and my mom did it because she loved him. And, um, and I think it was at parties. From there, it, you know, stair steps. Yeah, stair steps, and it became a, uh, a everyday thing. So, your 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 family is living under one roof. Mm-hmm. It's not your father, but stepfather. Yeah. And I assume he's taking the father role mm-hmm. at that point, right? And you got a mom. Both are employed. Uh, kids are clearly cared for up until addiction took over. All right. Well, that doesn't agree with a societal story about inner city black families, which is it's all fatherlessness. It's all, you know, remember uh, what what was the term welfare queen, I think, mm-hmm. to describe, you know, women having children just to get the extra wick or welfare check. But you had the organic family. You you had the two parents working. You 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 it, on the incomes that your parents were making. You certainly weren't living in some big fancy house, but you had a home. You had a home, and it's interesting. You just described going from having a family dinner at the table to not, which means there were family dinners at the table. I mean, to me, it sounds like um, an inner city black version of Leave It to Beaver starting off just an organic American family. That is not what most people think when mm-hmm. they think Chicago West side. Yep. So how many kids at four, five, six, seven years old in your reality, how many kids had that started with that type of dynamic? I mean, in your neighborhood, not a lot. I'll tell you that not a lot. I mean, my uh and I think maybe some, but you know, I'm just thinking about my five closest friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um one of them, one of them had a dad around. And um, you know, they we we all counted on each other for for food, right? Like you don't have food, let's all go to Donald, because Donald's the one who family has food. You know what I mean? This week. This week. Exactly. And so same story, right? Family comes from the South. Um, some moms were single parent moms who work a few jobs, and some moms was on drugs. And one mom was selling drugs. You know what I mean? Um, were you living in a project? We were not living in projects. The I apartment mean, or apart- apartment buildings where yeah. it's like, yeah, just families, you know, people doing drugs in a hallway. I mean, the access so to it was the, a high rise. That was high rise inner, inner city building. I mean, I'm in, I'm I'm envisioning the Jeffersons built, not the Jeffersons, <laughs> the the Good Times building. The Good Times building. That yeah. kind of yeah, kind of like the, that. Yeah, kind of like that. You know, you walk in the hallway and 
people are doing drugs, people are shooting dice, right? You're, you're definitely walking through a cloud of, of rock cocaine most times. So even when your family union had not been gripped by addiction, you were still surrounded, You're still surrounded by it. And now, a few messages from our generous sponsors. But first, we're now offering premium memberships for the Army of Normal Folks. For 10 bucks a month, you'll receive special benefits, such as being invited to a private yearly call with other premium members and me, access to monthly Ask Me Anything episodes, and occasional bonus audio. If you're interested in this, I hope you go to normalfolks.us and click on premium. But guys, that's really not what it's about. You get all that cool stuff, and we're going to provide all that stuff. But the truth is, we're trying to, to grow the army of normal folks and have a greater impact on the country. And with the premium memberships, we can fuel our marketing efforts to grow it. This podcast peaked at number 10 on Apple's podcast chart in all of the U.S., which is absolutely crazy. And it's not about me. It's about the guest and it's about you. So we've decided to set an exciting new goal of trying to be on Apple's top shows chart for our entire first year, which will mean more attention, more listeners, more Army members, and most importantly, more impact. But we need you, as always. So go to normalfolks.us and click on premium if you're down to help. If not, just keep listening. We'll be right back. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So when you would know this, so I'll just tell you, my father left when I was four. My mother was married and divorced um, five times. Um, and as a result, I had, I had two, a paternal and a maternal set of grandparents that cared for me deeply, thank goodness. And my mother loved me and tried her best, but, you know, and she still loves me and I love her. But I mean, it's the, the fact is with, <laughs> with five divorces, there's not a whole lot of, at least as a young man, you don't feel like a whole lot of stability. Mm-hmm. But despite all that, I found a way to go to college on scholarship, graduated, worked hard, made money and worked my way up. And, um, Started coaching football and teaching school, got into business, and ended up at Manassas and uh, coached football there seven years. The reason I'm telling you this is prior to my time at Manassas, my mentality was a very ingrained American mentality, Mm. which is we have a free education system. We are the freest country in the world. We are not held back. We have free will. And if we want to take advantages of the amazing opportunities this country offers us, we can go to school, we can get an education, we can pull ourselves up from our bootstraps despite any of our circumstances, and we can find a way to be successful. That was my belief set. And then I spent seven years at Manassas, and Manassas is a neighborhood the neighborhoods that surround Manassas, ironically enough, one's called New Chicago, and uh, the other is Greenlaw, and the other is Smoky City. And the kids that I coached from that area, um, prior to going to Manassas, I would have said, I get they're coming from poverty. I get they're coming from destitute situations. I get they're coming from places when you walk down the hallway, you see addiction and all of this dysfunction around you like you did as a kid. But they still have free school. They still have an opportunity. They can still do it in this great country we have. But I don't believe that anymore. Um, I believe that opportunity exists. But I believe there are fundamental barriers that exist in inner city neighborhoods across our country to kids much like the kids that are your friends that you grew up with and you 
that um, are barriers that weren't in my face. And while you can still do that, there's a whole hell of a lot more to overcome than just go to school, get an education, or work hard. Talk to me about that. Yeah, you know, I first thing come to mind when when you said that. Was, yeah, what do you? That's a great point. What do you hear when you hear a white dude say that? For real, what do you feel and hear? You know, it's just you know, I, I think people do have you know, I, I, it's rough because you know it goes back to just this this thought of especially when you talk about opportunities and and you know uh, you know everyone should be able to go to school, it's free education and work. It go and I explain why it goes back to me missing. 40 days of school my 8th grade year and walking into school and I didn't have to go to school anymore because my mom wasn't around at that point she was I mean she would come home every now and then grandma had too much going on because your mom was an addict because she mom was, was in the street. street she's in the streets and my teacher told me you know what you're gonna die before you're 14 years old if that because the times I was there I just couldn't learn I, I, I know why couldn't you learn I understand. I want the people listening to us to understand why a kid from inner city West Side Chicago can't learn in school, even though it's free and provided for. Yes. Why can't you learn? I live in an environment where the have-nots must have. And people do whatever it takes to feed their addiction or feed their family. And because of that, I heard gunshots when I slept. I skipped over pools of blood. I lost friends. I ran for my life. Um, I seen people take others' lives to, to protect theirs. And I seen what some soldiers have seen in war, but before I was 13 years old. And I am hungry at the same time. I wonder if my mom's going to go home. And there's no way after seeing all that, I can walk in the classroom and learn about who really discovered America or what's 50% of half. There's just no way. It's, it's impossible. Do you, um, do you, uh, do you know as a 12 year old you're not learning what you're supposed to be learning? Are you even aware? Uh, you know, I, I'm not aware. I just know that you, I knew that I wasn't doing well because I didn't feel well, you know? Um, you honestly, you just, because you know kids clown each other and roast each other. You believe that a teacher is always right, and when you hand or you're handed a, a piece of paper that says F or D, you think you're just dumb. You're not smart because you don't understand the systemic, um, you know, issues behind that, and so you grow up losing that confidence, losing that hope. You know what I mean? Yet you got to throw a chest out and a bravado like you're a badass to survive while in between your ears and your heart and your head, you feel like hell. I feel like hell. Absolutely. That, that is, that is it. That, that, that is the answer. And of course we want it, right? We, you want the education. Do, do, that's another thing that's interesting. A lot of people will say the education's there. They just don't want it. Quote, you can't help these, these folks, end quote. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I think that, you know, the same folks will say, hey, you know, I just got a divorce. Our kids need therapy. You know what I mean? You, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, you think about what we saw, you know, and, and there's no access to therapy or talking to someone about we had one social worker in, in, a, in a school of 400 people. Um, and so even what soldiers see and they're older, of course, let's advocate that they talk to someone to help them unsee what they just saw. There was no access for us to that. Yeah, well, what you're talking about is trauma, which is interesting. You you went to that because that was my next question. But first, a few messages from our sponsors. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess. The 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. The First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances. And the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, 
I was shot at down a hallway when I was a kid by my fourth daddy. The third daddy uh, was a guy that I got into my first fist fight with because he was yanking on my mama's hair. And I was too young, but I was ready to roll. Um, At 14, you don't know what. You, you don't know what's going on or what's right or wrong. You see something, you react, right? And uh, now as a 53-year-old man, I look back on that and I recognize that I was traumatized as a child mm. by some of those situations and by constantly believing that this man's finally, I'm going to have a father that's committed to me that loves me for the rest of my life, and then he's gone. And um, so I... I understand childhood trauma in a very personal way. Um, but I didn't until probably 10 years ago. Mm. And I lived with it all through being married as a husband and a father and a business owner and a football coach and everything. Still never really understanding even my own insecurities as a grown man as a result of that trauma. So in your book, it opens with something that Dude, it just, I mean, I read it like four lines. I read it over and over and over again. And everybody listen to me. Get R. Shea Cooper's book. Um, And the opening line is you had a raggedy fan in your apartment. And um, it it wasn't wasn't any count, but it's all you had. You weren't going to go buy a new one because it blew air, but it clicked. And it clicked all the time. And if you walked into the apartment, first time in the apartment, you would have noticed the clicking. But when you live with this fan in your apartment your entire life, you just don't even hear the clicking anymore. It's just the fan over there clicking and you just tune it out because it's so common. And it's just something you hear every time the fan blade spins around, which is a lot of clicking. And the metaphor you use is that's what death and drugs and murder and gang life and everything is to a kid in West Side Chicago is it's just a clicking fan that you get used to and you ignore it. Yep. One of my teammates said in a documentary, he said, uh, when he was asked, how did it affect you? He said, it didn't, you know, that was every day. That was, that, that was our, our way of life. I also said in the book, because of that, I felt like, and my teacher, who I love, who's amazing, uh, was a part of my life in seventh grade. She said, I once told her at my wedding, at my wedding, she said that I said, God exists everywhere but on the west side of Chicago. Hmm. <laughs> you know? and and Which is ironic that everybody over there calls himself Lord. <laughs> Yeah, which we'll get to in a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get we'll get to that in a minute. (laughs) But the but the point is that clicking of the fan that you you grow to ignore because that's where you live and it's just a noise in your life. So is death and murder and everything. And the point is tying it back to my personal Mm -hmm. story is you were traumatized. So were all of your your friends. So were all your classmates. So, I mean, do you think it's, is it, is it an exaggeration overstated to say that the vast majority, 95% or better of the kids growing up in West Side Chicago by the age of 11 are traumatized? Yeah, absolutely. No I, different than a Vietnam War veteran. No different. So how are they to concentrate in school? 
thing up. Can't. So how are they to learn? How are they to learn? So how are they to break the cycle of the despair and destruction that is their lives and the lives of those around them? And so therefore, do they have the same opportunity in a life that I had? I think that's the answer that everyone needs to hear, Bill. But Uh, am I being a white paternalist and overstating this, or is this real? It's real. I think it's 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 absolutely real, and I I think that the way and it's told effectively through our storytelling. You know what I mean? And I think our film really highlights and get people an opportunity to walk through uh, walk through that to understand to see it, and also. Um, shout out those rates of PTSD on the west side of Chicago, you know, and, and the the statistic says that one out of every three child on the west side of Chicago have lost a close friend or a family member. Just, that just say that again. Everybody needs to let that one sink in. One out of three young people on the west side of Chicago have lost a close family member or friend through gang violence. Now, let's talk about in psychology, there's a, a list of things called stressors. And if you experience two of the top 10 within a year of your life, you are considered highly stressed, highly traumatized, right? And it's the death of a child, the, the death of a spouse, the loss of a job, witnessing a robbery, all the way down to losing your watch. You know, it's a it's a list from really traumatic things all the way down to ultimate things. And and if you add up the points of the stressors that are happened, that kind of puts a a number on your stress. And if you're over a certain level, then you're considered a highly stressed, traumatized individual. The death of a friend or watching a crime committed is way up there. And you're saying by 11 years old, you'd experienced all of it. Absolutely. How do you break out of that? You know, how, how, how do you, you know, how do you expect them to go to school and care about your ABCs when you're just trying to survive? Also, I look at like the mass shootings that happened like in suburban schools. I even remember Columbine and, and I remember it was happening more often. And the first thing they would say, we, we will send in trauma counselors and trauma experts to help these kids unsee what they saw. And we're gonna give them time off from school, and everyone will be able to, to see someone. And I was like, "Damn, that that was every day." <laughs> you know, what I mean? it was like, "Why are you learning?" I'm like, "We you saw what we just saw. That was every day." And you expect suck it up, be a person. And the thing about trauma is that you know we are taught to bury it, but the thing is that you bury it alive, and you bury it alive. That's great. and it always comes back. Everything reminds you of it. You know, you see some of these kids in the courtroom, your friends who are doing life and you can see the pain in their eyes and the hurt and the pain and the trauma that they endure. And the thing is, is that if you never gave them access to heal from that trauma and pain, they're going to grow up and redistribute that same trauma and pain to their peers. And that's what we're seeing. And their children. And their children. And their grandchildren. grandchildren. And their wives and their husbands and everybody else that's close to them. They will redistribute that to them. And thus goes the cycle. I think any soldier in combat will tell you that. That concludes part one of our conversation with Arshay Cooper. And I hope you'll listen to part two that's now available. But if you don't, 
make sure you join the Army of Normal Folks at normalfolks.us and sign up to become a member of our movement. It only takes committing to doing one new thing this year to help others. And there will be a ton of awesome ideas on this podcast from the folks we're featuring. Some of them may resonate with you and others may not at all. And that's okay because we're all called to do different things with our different talents. By signing up, you'll also receive a weekly email with short episode summaries in case you happen to miss an episode or prefer reading about our incredible guests. Together, we can change the country, and it starts with you. I'll see you in part two. Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast, will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances, whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death. We all want to know, what happened next? To find out, listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.